Welcome to Munchies and Mindset, sponsored by Holistic Approach, your online store for healthy snack options. Munchies and Mindset is the show that talks about mindset and living your best life, where host Katie Gilligan will speak to experts in their field to find out ways they have made changes to improve their mental, physical, or spiritual self. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Munchies and Mindset. We are here once again with back-to-back weeks with Cecily O'Grady. Cecily has been married for, happily married for 30 years. She's a retired teacher of 35 years. She volunteers, small business owner, as well as she has um, on quite a few councils to help to bring a better community in Newmarket. And we're so thankful that you step up day to day. Um, I'm going to have a little bit more information on our Facebook page about Cecily, but you're an absolutely incredible woman. And I am so grateful that you chose to be on here because you just have so much to share with people. And honestly, like before we even go any further and talk anymore, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, well, first of all, thank you so very much, Katie. I'm not used to hearing those things, so thank you. It's greatly appreciated. Um, As you said, happily married, mother of two, grandmother to two. love to do things like travel and be outside. I see the scenery behind you and that would be, you know, that would be me 100%. Um, You know, like to hike and kayak and camp and go bike riding, love to dance, Um, love travel and adventure. So those are more about the things that I, I like to do as well as connecting people within our community. That's a really big thing. And I was really brought up to green, give back to our community. I had a very uh, wonderful childhood growing up in Winnipeg and um, I had a large and very close family. And we moved when I was 15 from Winnipeg to Montreal and then at 17 to Toronto. And that was really hard to be a teenager and leave everybody that you completely over and having to make new friendships at that time. And I'd been a very longer play the flute and hold my arm up in in the um, school band. And so I really, at at that point, I think um, things really changed. And I had to learn how to, um, in order not to be lonely, to find that resiliency and to be able to adapt. And it's only now when I look back on it that I realized that the support of my family helped to give me those skills and helped me to move forward because if everything always goes easy we don't learn that resiliency what what do they say you have to fail yourself forward um and so really that that was a a difficult um, period of time during part of that um but it really helped i think to, to shape the way i was able to adapt to things you know later on and uh, as I say, once again, my parents really, it was important to them that we give back and be part of the community. And so that, that was always, um, I guess, so you do that in, our, in our family's makeup. I remember my mom reminded me that when I was 10, I started running a summer camp for kids in our community, no charge. And I have 10 to 15 kids a day and we'd have different activities all day long. I thought, oh my goodness, yeah, that's right. So. I think I just had a family that encouraged that. 
Um, you know, that's incredible because you really, I think that probably played a huge part in your networking ability and having to meet new people and get into new people because you are the queen of networking. You are, that is your title. You just can connect so many people to so many other people. You're absolutely amazing at it. Thank you. And that was, you know, as you mentioned, I was a teacher for 35 years and I've never had a problem speaking in front of uh, groups, even a large group or, or speaking. Everyone who knows me would say, yes, that's not a challenge. But when I made that transition into business, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I didn't even know what really self-development was and personal development. And I remember when someone said, you have to start going to networking events. And I went, oh, great. And I thought, what's a networking event? And so I had to recreate myself again and start all, all over and really learn about it. So I think you, you learn that patience and patience with others and understand if, if they don't get it or don't know, because I've been there. I was that complete newbie. So thank, thank you once again. Um, when we ask our questions, like our emotional health, and I wanted to state also, which I didn't bring up, is you're also a cancer champion. And I say that because people that are going through their journey, you are creating a booklet, you are creating a resource, you are creating help because there is so much lack in the medical industry as far as what's out there to help you. Um, and you're really connecting people and really taking this, uh, taking the bull by the horns for a better word on truly saying to people, listen, I've done it. It hurt. It was hard. But here, I'm going to give it to you because it's so much easier when someone shows you and I've been through there. So all of the um, all of the programs that are out there that are at no charge and some that have a little bit of charge, but everything that's available. So well, kudos to you because you do so much all the time. So the energy that you have and our emotional health really, really controls the way we show up in the world. And you're a superwoman. Like, honestly, you do so much all the time. Um, as an entrepreneur, a mother, a volunteer, you're still fighting cancer, even though you're, you're, um, you're so positive all the time. How do you tell us, how do you stay in that mindset to really show up in the world the way you always do? Yes, and it is, it is constant. You're always working on it. But I think just before, so I got diagnosed about four years and four months ago, and nobody expects it to happen to them. And I know people said, well, why you? And I've heard people say, why me? And, and I remember thinking, well, wh why not me? Like, would I want it to be a friend or a child or another loved one? Not having known a lot of people who'd gone through cancer before, um, I'd had my father who'd been in his 80s and, and one good friend. I didn't know what I didn't know. And my preconceived idea and what reality was were completely, completely different. And, you know, I, I had a mastectomy, I had chemo, I had radiation, I had injections, um, I take daily pills now. And I thought that when I finished that treatment, it would be over and I just go back to my life. And I had no idea that things would never be the same and would really change. And there's a new normal. And that's okay. It's not, it's not a bad thing. You just have to realize it because when you try and hold on to what was, you become very hard on yourself and you know, you really don't, you don't move forward. And I thought I would hear, okay, that's it. You're clear. You're going to be fine. 
and some people get to hear that and that's that's really great i had a girlfriend with throat cancer and they removed the lump and they said you're cancer free but i'm going to speak now mostly to breast cancer um the majority of us and by the way you know three out of ten women in canada are getting diagnosed with cancer and two out of ten men so it is um that's heartbreaking to me um but it wasn't just over and my care at Southlake was fabulous the doctors the technicians they were really great and you don't realize that when you're going for treatment there's something that's giving you a focus every day you're going in this is what you need to do this is what's happening and then all of a sudden that stops but the side effects don't stop and your feelings and the grieving process don't stop I mean, in my case, um, and with, as with most, most breast cancer patients, you lose all your hair, you lose your eyelashes, you lose your eyebrows. Um, I couldn't wear the same clothes as I could before. I, I didn't even have um, complete movement. I had some lymph nodes removed. So all these things affect you. And I think before I got diagnosed, I was a pretty positive person. And it was only with the previous few years that I'd learned to say no, and maybe more importantly, I'd learned to say no without guilt. And that's, a, I find a, you know, a hard thing uh, to do. But I think there was a feeling of not having any control over anything. It felt like everything was happening to me. And people would say, oh, you're so brave. And I'd say, brave? Like, I don't have any choice. It's not like I've gone out and rescued somebody. I just have to try and make it through each day because I want to survive. I want to live. You know, I, I want to watch my younger daughter get married and, and walk down the aisle. I want to watch my grandchildren grow up. I want to spend time with friends and family. And first of all, you're not aware of how much you're going to feel that from the gut. And as I said, you don't know what you don't know. So I go through treatment, that's finished. And now what? The, the, um, the mind fog, as you can see, still happens a little bit, is such a real thing and so different from anything I'd ever experienced before. And some of the memory loss, and it's not just two or three weeks. For me, it was almost two years um, where I started noticing an improvement. And things like the word loss, word retrieval problems. So I'd say, oh, could you please pass me the, and I couldn't think of the word. And I'd have to say, you know, that thing that has ink in it that's blue. And I remember going to uh, sign in for one of my treatments and they said name. And I had to look at my husband because I couldn't remember my name. I mean, how can you be prepared for something like that, even though they say there could be some memory loss? And, you know, there's varying degrees of, uh, of pain, there was times where I could barely move, the lack of energy, which is different from just feeling tired and where sleep doesn't necessarily help that. So there was nobody that really prepared me for all these side effects. They said, you know, you may have these side effects, they may last maybe even up to two months, way more than two months. And it's only now at four years that I feel that I can start talking with fluidity again but even then I, I i have notes to help me because you learn that it's okay you don't have to be ashamed that you have to do things differently so when you said you know what is the secret to the mindset 
Um, first of all, I think of it as this, this plot twist happened to me. And when I was diagnosed, the doctor told me you're, you're high risk and it's highly aggressive. And you, you can never prepare for healing those words. And when I said to him, when will I see you next? This was my oncologist. He said, I hope to see you in three months. And I said, well, is that because you're not sure if we're going to have an appointment or not? And I realized that he wasn't sure if I would be alive to be at that appointment. And that hit you on a completely just, just different level. And so um, I realized that I needed to focus on what I could do and what I could control. Um, someone said, I'm not going to give you advice. I've been through it, but I'm going to tell you what helped me. And that is, don't dwell on yesterday. You can't change that. And don't worry about tomorrow because it's not going to help you in any way. But do your best to focus on right now. What can you do right now? What is going to help you right now? What is going to bring you happiness right now? And that, you know, really, really um, helped me to not always be working, okay, what about if the treatment doesn't work? What if this doesn't help? And my doctor said to me, you know, many people with your type of breast cancer that stay at the lowest end of their BMI, their body mass index, have the least recurrence. And I had put on about 40 pounds after being relatively slim all my life, 40 pounds because I was much more inactive because the chemo and the pills um, add weight. And I thought, okay, this is something I can control. And I immediately started doing things to change because I thought if I can bring down my body mass index, then that's something not only to help my survival rate, but that's also something that I can do. And so now I'm gonna say, it's not as easy as it sounds. You start, I started making nutritional changes my physical fitness, I had to search for um, the types of yoga and stretching and exercise I could do because going back to the types of classes I did before didn't work. There was too much pain where I'd had the, the nodes removed or the breast removed or the pain, um, the severe bone pain that, I mean, I discovered bones that I didn't know existed like I now knew where all three bones in my ears were. I'd never had bone pain in my ears before. And so some of the same types of activities didn't work. And I didn't know where to go to find things that would, you know, that would work for me. Um, and I'm going to get back to that and how I found that um, in a minute. But some of those things that that helped me to keep, keep that positive outlook were, you know, listening to music, surrounding myself with bright colors, talking to my friends and, and family and, and surrounding myself with those things and, and things that made me happy and realizing that, that often there's a lot of people in our lives that can drain us and we don't realize it and you don't have the same kind of energy. And maybe this is the time to mention, someone gave me a really fabulous visual. And it's, it, it's really helped me, I'm a visual person. They said, the average person, let's say, has 20 spoons worth of energy. And they said, think of those 20 spoons in your mind, silver, large soup spoons, spoons. But someone who's gone through cancer treatment only has 12 spoons or less of energy. 
So think of before, if you're dividing up over your day, you get up, you brush your teeth, you get dressed, that's taking up two spoons. You eat your breakfast, that's another spoon. You, you get your kids out the door, you hurry in your car, you get to wherever you're going, that's another few spoons, you're already at five. And over the day, you have to make sure that you haven't run out of these spoons at the end, at the end because if it's four o'clock and you have two or three spoons left, how are you going to get the food on the table for your kids? And how are you going to um, do the work that you may have to do for your business or the exercise that you have to do? And when I started realizing that, that as a, a person going through treatment for cancer, if I had those 12 spoons and now getting up and getting dressed had taken up four spoons before it was even nine o'clock in the morning, then I didn't have a lot left. And that was a visual reminder to be kind to myself, to be compassionate with myself, to treat myself, you know, the way I would a very loving grandmother. I treat her with kindness and compassion. And yet often we don't remember to do those same things for ourselves. That was a hard lesson. And I also had to learn how to be a friend in a different way. I was used to being the one that everybody phoned if they had a problem or there was something going on. And people would say, you know, oh, what can I do? Is there something I could do? Oh, no, no, no. And I realized that I wasn't allowing the people around me to be my friend. It was sort of, oh, I can do things for you, but I'm not allowing you to do things for me. And so learning to let other people help me was a really big thing, and but wonderful for both of us. And it developed friendships further. And, and I was really lucky that my networking community, neighbors, people just came out of the woodwork and I was lucky to be surrounded by that. And, and as I mentioned, there's some people I had to take time away from or step back from and realize it's not serving me right now. And I can't spend all my time using my energy to help them through a problem when I can't remember my own name, you know, that's got to be a bit different. Um, so I did things that was that sense of control. I have the greatest closet right now that you've ever seen because I would organize things by color, by length of the sleeves, um, you know, by the season because it was something I could do and be in charge of. Um, I did take off that weight. I took off every single pound plus a few more and I've maintained that but it's not necessarily easy. And during this, I wasn't sure where to turn. I, I didn't know what was there. Um, and there is so much that's out there, but it's not all in a central place and it's all not together. And I realized even some of the cancer foundations that, that help so much and give you some of the information, they're all in competition for fundraising dollars. And so sometimes that affects the information you get and, and what's passed on. Um, and it was by pure chance, someone said to me, well, are you taking any classes at, at the hospice? And I said, oh, the, the hospices are, you know, end of life care. And I hope that's not me yet, but I am aware that they're, that they're there. And uh, they said, no, you should call this lady. And I called uh, both Doan House in Newmarket and Hope House in Aurora and discovered that 80% of, well, of hospice programs are wellness programs for anyone who's gone through a life-threatening disease, anyone who's lost someone to a life-threatening disease. And it doesn't have to be someone who's going through uh, cancer or 
um, any, any, as I said, other kind of life-threatening disease at the time. It could be from five years ago, from 10 years ago. And I had no idea. And by the time I found this out, I had already, I was at a year and a half through um, treatment and, and through being diagnosed. And I was shocked. And now all of a sudden I had a place to go where yoga was adapted to what I could do. And people understood that there were some movements I couldn't do and some things I'd have to do differently. There was the most fabulous course that's one of only two in North America that was offered right in Aurora at Hope House Hospice um, called Pup Picking Up the Pieces that, get, that put me for the first time with another group of women who'd been through similar things. And that leads me to the, the comment on community because I think it's so important to find our com a community and a community to support us. So I had my friends and my family, but often you didn't want to burden them. You didn't want them to be having to, you know, be more worried than they already were about what you were going through. And so you didn't always share everything that was happening. But to be in a group of like-minded people and to discover that it wasn't unusual or weird because you still had this pain going on or these thoughts going on and that you could share things and discuss what worked and what moved forward because this wasn't pity party type of getting together this was this is the reality you know finding out that everyone felt that they changed that they weren't the same person they didn't necessarily want the same things anymore and how could they move forward so to discover things like hospice to discover um, places like Wellspring that brings so many pro programs. And all these are at no charge for people who've gone through a, you know, a life-threatening disease um, or with Wellspring you know, cancer. And there was so much out there and so much that I didn't find out till after. You know, things like there was um, a cleaning service that would have come in and cleaned my house at no charge while I was going through chemo that for women with young children, they would have provided nannies at no charge while they were going into treatment. For people that couldn't pay their utility bills because you know, um, maybe they weren't working during this period of time and maybe they were a single mom of three kids, but there are money, there is money and foundations out there. But some of these things I didn't find out till four years after the fact. And so it, it started making me realize that we really need a resource booklet that's out there so that everyone doesn't have to go through the searching like I did. And it's just easier and you know where to find, you know, support groups and you know what's, you know, what's available. Um, that's absolutely amazing. You did. I want to touch on one thing that you did say there is like asking for help as women, I find in general, women are, we just are doers in this, in this society. We're kind of, you know, taking care of our children, we're working, we're just so used to go, 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 that it tends to be very difficult for us to ask for help. And I think that's amazing that you brought that up and that it's so important that if you're doing for other people, but you don't allow them to do for you, it kind of insults the other people because they're like, but you've helped me so much, let me give back. Um, and they are there for you, but you have to reciprocate and allow them to reciprocate that, that, um, that love. Yes. That's so important. And also people don't know what to do when they say, what can I do? You know, and, and some people just are saying it, but most people really mean it. And I realized that 
if I could give people some specifics that they could choose from, it made a really big difference. And I remember one friend breaking down in tears and saying, you've allowed me to feel that I'm your friend. I felt so guilty because I didn't know what to do for you. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know if I should phone you or not phone you. And so realizing what people were comfortable with, some people ended up you know, driving me places. Some people would take me out to help me do shopping. Some people would just, uh, I shouldn't say just, but help me get out for a walk every day in fresh air. But people don't know. And when we help them, when we open ourselves up that way, we allow other people um, to step in. Um, I was going to mention there too that, well, first I have, my house has been decluttered after so many years of needing to do that. Part of this was COVID coming along also um, in the middle of this. Um, but in order to have that positive mindset, I had to learn to let go of many of those things, that a clean house wasn't the most important thing, to learn to put myself first, um, to not feel that I needed to be strong every single moment, and to let go of feeling I needed to be in charge all the time, um, to continue to learn to say no. But maybe really importantly, I had to learn how to fill up my bucket. And, you know, I, I was so grateful. Every morning that I wake up, I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful I'm still here. I'm grateful I get to talk with my family and my friends. Um, and I felt the need to really live life and take advantage of every single day. And with COVID happening, I almost felt like, oh no, this isn't fair. I don't know how much time I've got. I hope it's a long time, but I don't know how much it is. And now I can't go out. Now I can't see people. Now, because I'm at um, higher risk because of my immune system, it's, it's limiting more things. And I thought, I've got to change that around. Um, I've got to live life every single day. Um, because I felt like I was losing all this precious time. And it's not, it's very easy to get caught up in that. Um, and realizing you can't have a positive and a negative thought at the same time. So what can I do if those negative thoughts are starting, you know, to affect me? And, and you know, I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in a few minutes. But um, I think concluding the biggest things with mindset, accepting that things are different, accepting that that's okay, being kind to yourself, allowing people to help you, search out for those communities that are gonna you know, help you feel com comfortable, um, you know, and, and be patient and, and learning how to fill up that bucket list. Perfect. That's all. That's a, that's an amazing answer, and I'm sure you're. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listen to that will help. And if you do have any comments, please no. put them in the comment box below. And we'll make sure that Cecily um, can answer you back. She will be leaving. Thank you, Cecily, for staying a little bit later because she's going on an RV trip with her husband later on today. So she's taking time out to do this. But negative self-talk can be debilitating. Um, and can cause someone to not even be able to get out of bed, get dressed, because they just fall into such a severe depression if they are um, not well. How do you keep yourself positive? And what are ways um, that you could help people with their inner dialogue that maybe you say to yourself or you've been practicing to be able to really keep yourself in that positive mindset? Yes, Katie. So, you know, we, we can reach a certain point in life where our kids have left the, the nest type of thing and, and that can, you're, you're readjusting there, um, going through something like cancer, going through COVID. 
But my doctor, you know, at about the six month mark said some words to me that left me feeling devastated and without hope. And I'd been very positive through this whole first six months and really felt that mindset was so important. And I started spiraling because he made me feel that I wasn't going to make it, you know, even another month or another two months. And this was something I wasn't prepared for is feeling often like you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's not a good way because you just can't live like that. And um, I was sinking into this hole, just feeling that there was no hope. So I really did, did feel that type of thing. And once again, part of it was about needing, feeling that I needed to take back control of my, my life. And I realized that each of those days in the six months was a day that I'd been alive and was a bonus. And was I going to stay in this hole or was I going to enjoy my life again? And the doctors aren't always correct. And when they tell you something, it's based on an average. Like they told me because I was over 60 when I started treatment, 100% my hair would come back in gray, 100%. And it came in gray and then it slowly turned back to brown and my oncologist didn't believe me. He said, really, that just doesn't happen. Like that it would go this dark. It's not dyed and I'm 65 years old. So that was like a sign for me that, well, if they can be wrong about that, you know, they can be wrong about other things as well. And so I started thinking, how do I want to spend the time I've got? Do I want to be worried about the time I might not have? Or do I want to take care of each day? And friends would often say to me, oh, you know, you don't think of the glasses half full. You always think of it as, sorry, it's half empty. You always think of the, the cup as half full. And I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? That's like telling my daughters that mediocrity is okay. It's okay to accept a cup half full. I want my cup to be full every single day. And yes, that doesn't mean we can be positive all the time because it, it, it's, although I'm a very positive person, there are moments. And if we think we can't allow that, then we're putting too much pressure on ourselves. We have to accept that. But my mom used to say um, two things, allow yourself a five minute pity party and then move on. And she used to say, is what's happening? Is this going to affect you five years from now? And if it's something, a disagreement with a, you know, a daughter, someone that, that cut you off when you were driving, if it's not going to affect your life five years from now, let it go. But if it's something you need to do to help your life, then that's something that you need to spend time on. So I started deciding that I would not go to bed unless every day there'd been something that brought me joy. And I realized it's not up to my friends. It's not up to my family. It's up to me. And even if I'd had a day where treatment was really, really rough, um, I lost two friends, two very, very close friends in the last while uh, to cancer and having to make sure that I didn't go into that deep hole, but I could still find joy. I could find the joy in the laughter that I'd had with them. I could, you know, watch YouTube and, and watch American Idol and The Voice and listen to beautiful voices. So if I'd had a day that was really rough and I'm thinking, okay, what was it that brought me joy today? I could quickly go on YouTube and watch these things or watch dogs reuniting with their, their owners, watch people who'd been away in the army reunite with their, you know, their loved ones. Um, I could think of my grandkids and da older daughter who I hadn't seen in nine months and what it was going to feel like to see them. I hadn't seen them because of physically distancing. My younger daughter that lives in the Caribbean that I haven't seen in two years and what it would feel like to hold her, to squish her, to grab her. 
I could start planning and I could start dreaming, you know, for the future again. Um, I could think of their laughter. I could think of the smiles on my grandchildren's faces. And so I have, since that time, and it's three and a half years, I have never gone to bed without making sure I've said things I'm grateful for and that I've made sure that I've had something that brought me joy over, you know, that period of the day. And so I think the quality of my life um, has been just so much greater. And I think sometimes accepting where we are today, but how can we make just today better in some way? And a big part of that is what can we do for other people? So I make sure that every day I've given out at least two compliments that I've phoned one friend that maybe is by themselves and has felt isolated or locked in. Um, that when you start thinking of what you can do every day for other people, it also helps you to take your mind off dwelling on where you are or what's, you know, or what's, what's going on there with, with that type of thing. Um, so I, I think sort of, I hope I've answered your question. Is what yeah, I, I think you know what? Self-healing, like helping others and, and volunteering, that's mm -hmm. self-healing as well. That's absolutely incredible. And you are just the uh, pillar in our community of really uh, giving back and being there for people. One, uh, absolutely amazing. one thing I just wanted to add to that is we don't have to take all the steps at once. We can take baby steps and we can take one step at a time. Uh, allow yourself to grieve, as I've said. Um, and the one other thing is sometimes people would say, how are you? And they just really mean hello. But sometimes they really meant, how are you doing? And you don't want to be, oh, da, 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 da. But if you're not realistic, then people just think you go through cancer, you finish treatment, it's over. And it may not be. And this isn't about having a pity party. This is about the reality and, and how you can find the support system to help you move forward. So I started saying to either, today is awesome, Yesterday I was working on awesome, or today I'm working on awesome, but tomorrow I know will be awesome again. And it just allowed me to have a different mindset. So instead of focusing on what was wrong, I could focus on what went well, but also for, for people, it gave them, if they wanted to, to say, oh, yesterday you were working on awesome, what does that mean? And without going into a lot of detail, it could be an educational moment so that they could go home and have more compassion for their loved ones and realize that, you know, life is forever changed for everybody in the family and with friends, you know, as well. Thank so you for it, that. It's a work every single day and it's not always easy, but I've never found one single day where there isn't something that I can find or do that, that cannot bring me, you know, joy. Good for you. Uh, you, you are a woman of action. Um, you do so much for others and you really do embrace life. You and your husband, Pat, are like, have a piece of my heart when it comes to traveling because you guys love to hike and, and that's a huge passion of mine. Um, but how do you keep moving forward and how do you keep yourself um, stepping up in life? Because you're constantly a mover and a shaker and you're, you're just, there is, I've never personally, and I'm very um, like full hands out, you're a very, very dear friend of mine. And I personally have never seen you not move forward. You just go and you just are such a, a, a trailblazer and you just move forward. So tell us how, what's the, what is your trick to being able to just do this? 
Thanks, Katie, because I don't see myself that way, but it makes me realize that we all have something to offer. And so when we realize that, and I think um, that gives us something to help us move forward. Like for me, this resource booklet, and it's, it's not just the booklet, you know, there's further things where different things for women to be able to come together and find out those things that they don't know, realizing that we have a voice. And if it helps just one other person, then that, that's an amazing difference. But two of those biggest things about moving forward for me is one is of hope. We can't lose hope, lose hope. For a period of time, I allowed my doctor, he didn't take away my hope, I allowed him to do that. And I did have a talk with him and that made me feel better because I didn't want him to say the things he said to me to ever say it to someone else. And once I realized I have to find things that give me hope, I have to dream again. And with COVID, there's so many people right now that aren't dreaming or that have lost hope, but there's always something that we can dream about or hope about. I can plan that trip that I want to go on to Europe. I can plan that trip to go and see my daughter um, in St. Martin and spend time with her. I can dream about the things that we're going to do together. I can focus on what I can do instead of what I can't. I've got this amazingly cleaner house now. So if we want to sell, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be ready to do that. Um, one of the things that, you know, gave us hope and, and as you mentioned, my husband and I love to travel and I was really feeling that I couldn't do that with the situation the way it is right now. Um, we needed a new car. One of our cars broke down and we decided instead of buying a new car, we would buy a small RV. And this just reinvigorated our life and I think brought a lot of um, new energy again to our marriage after you know a year of having been locked in at that point. And we could have this sense of adventure again because I could go to see my kids and grandkids after nine months because they live about four hours away. And I could go and visit them and I had a place to stay and we could meet outside. I could go and visit friends. I could stay on their driveway. Um, we set a goal to visit as many provincial parks as we could. We've been to nine so far this summer and we have three more that we're still gonna go to. And we got to about 10 last year. So instead of traveling, out of the country and instead of you know normally we'd be going on every two years a big hiking thank trip. you for listening to munchies and mindset our goal is to help people who may be stuck or lost find that light within themselves if you have questions you can reach out on facebook or instagram at holistic approach store all one word and remember if you want to snack guilt-free check us out at www.holisticapproachstore.com until next time remember Mindset matters.